A date which will live in infamy. Both of those projects, initiatives, got off the ground because of the Gare out of the 24 who were killed were Americans who had come to learn in Kevin. I say one million Jewish children who were made to be cut in Whoever heard such beautiful words, It is never too little, it is never too late, and it is never enough. Jewish History Soundbites, bringing alive the world of our glorious past. Here is our host, live from Jerusalem, Jewish historian and tour guide, Yehuda Geberer. Jewish History Soundbites. This is Yehuda Geber with another episode of Jewish History Soundbites. And before we begin, I want to make a new few new, a few announcements. First of all, we have a new platform for Jewish History Soundbites. It will now be on Podbean. So you can look up Jewish History Soundbites on Podbean and subscribe there and do everything podcast-related to Jewish History Soundbites there. And of course, one of the new features is I want to Welcome all the listeners calling in by phone. We now have a phone option. You can dial in to hear Jewish history soundbites, which, uh, you know, those, those listeners are more, more, um, um, we'll, we'll call in by the number that I'm going to announce now, 857-385-7268. So you can use uh, that number. I don't know if you're going to be using a payphone, and definitely don't trip over the cord um, when you're on the phone listening. Um, you know, you can do it after you finish the dial a daf, and this is a good way to remind yourself about how the 90s were when we would call in um, to listen to things. Um, there are still sponsorships available for episodes, so be in touch with me about any episode you'd like to sponsor. And they had the privilege today um, to a schus and a privilege to be interviewed on the Nachum Siegel radio show. So hopefully that went well and you can listen to that as well. So that was very uh, had a nice opportunity to speak a little bit about um, Jewish history soundbites and some of the tours and virtual tours that we're doing these days. Um, moving along... Oh, we unfortunately had the tragic passing of Reb Henoch Kohn uh, just the other day, a, one of the last of a generation, one of the last of the close Askonim community activists who were close to the Baron Cutler. He was the one who was one of the founders of Chinuch and he ran the Chinuch Educational Network from in its U.S. office for decades, for well over a, a half a century. Very, very special man. And uh, actually, in his last years, he retired and moved to Israel, and he used to daven in the Mir Yeshiva on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and he sat right up next to the Rosh Hashiva, and he gave him an aliyah, he was a kayan, he gave him the first aliyah of Rosh Hashanah every year, 
and I saw him uh, over the years, uh, but I never actually got to speak to him. Unfortunately, I didn't have the opportunity to speak to him or to hear stories from him or anything. Um, but one story I did read about him uh, was they, when he was fundraising with Thurbaran Cutler for Chinuch in the early years, in the 1950s. And um, Rabaran suggested that the Kapishnitzer Rebbe join them. And so the three of them are coming join, meet at, at someone's office in Manhattan. The Kapishnitzer Rebbe, Rabaran Cutler, and the young, I think he was even still single then, Rabhenich Kayan. And they go up to the office and they get their donation. And in those days when they got a donation, they went straight to the bank to deposit it. That's, that's how, so that the teachers of Chinuch could get paid. That's how it was in, in, at that time. And uh, Rabbi Hanukkah gave $5 to the Kapishnitzer Rebbe to be able to take a taxi back to the Lower East Side. And the Kapishnitzer Rebbe said, with this $5, you can you know, keep it as part of the donation and send it to Israel, and this can help one of the teachers of Chinuch make Shabbos this week. So I don't need the $5. So Rabbi Hanukkah says they parted ways. Rabbi Aaron Cutler took the subway back to Borough Park. Rabbi Hanuch Kayan took, walked up the block to the bank to deposit the money so he could transfer it to Israel. And the Kapishnitz Rebbe took a bus back to the Lower East Side. And that's how they all part ways. I just found that astounding about how, you know, great uh, Torah leaders and great community activists acted and, and went around during those days. Um, last but not least, before we get to the actual episode, is uh, this week's Mishpacha magazine for the record article, which you all would probably want to see, the recent yard site of the Maitcheter Ilui, Rabbi Shlomo Polyachik. So we profiled him and a little bit about his uh, Leviah, his funeral in front of uh, Yeshiva Rabbeinu Yitzchak Elchanan Ritz, where he was the first Rosh Yeshiva, and he's buried in the Mount Judah Cemetery in Queens, and a little bit about the Maitre Ter'ilui and about his prominence as one of the first great Russia yeshiva in the United States. Um, so you want to check that out as well. So I want to, next week, uh, we're going to have the yard site of Rabbi Yosef Shalom El-Yashiv, who was known as a great Paisik and Torah leader here in Yerushalayim. And I once, I'm very close with his son, Ramesh El-Yashiv, related to him through his wife. And he, and, um, and he told me once, we were, you know, talking and talked about his father and about how he, I mentioned, somehow came into the context that he was a, I referred to him as a Yerushalmi Jew. And he looked at me very sternly, Rabbi Yashiv, and he said, my father was not a Yerushalmi, he was a Litvak. And he was a Lithuanian Jew. He was about approximately Bar Mitzvah, about 13 years old when he moved from Hummel to Yerushalayim. So, and he said, and he, and he emphasized that he spoke like a Litvak, and he was proud of his Litvisher roots, and uh, what were his Litvisher roots? That's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. The Rebbe Yashiv's grandfather was Rebbe Shloyme Yashiv, the Leshem Shavoy Vachlama, a great Kabbalist who wrote the, his magnum opus, the, the Leshem Shavoy Kabbalistic works, and uh, as, a young, uh, as a young boy, Rebbe Shloyme Yashiv, um, had studied in Blumke's Kloys, a yeshiva, a famous yeshiva in Minsk, one of the most prominent yeshivas in Minsk, which was a, a city known for its yeshivas. Blumke's Kloys, which was, which was, I think I mentioned it in a couple of other episodes, which was, uh, 
donated and built by a lady, a wealthy lady named Blumka, and it was known on her name uh, for posterity. And the Rosh Hashiva there was a fellow by the name of Reb Gershon Tanchum of Minsk, obviously. And he was one of the greatest uh, Torah leaders, Torah scholars of his day, a great Paisik and Halacha, a leader in the Minsk rabbinate. He was the Rosh Hashiva in Blumka's clothes for many years. Many, many students of his became great uh, rabbis and leaders of the next generation. So the Leshem, the young Leshem, was a student at Blumka's clothes of Reb Gershon Tanchum. And he later on studied also in Tells. So he was a Tellser as well. And he settles... In, he got married to a girl from Shavel, uh, which was a larger city in Lithuania, not far from Tells. And he became known as the greatest Kabbalist in all of Lithuania. And he, he studied Kabbalah and wrote uh, Kabbalah in the way of the Vilna Goyen, um, in, the, in the Arizal. And he w- w- emphasized that his way of ex- explaining, and, and not that I know any Kabbalah whatsoever, but this... This is what seems to have been his approach, is that it, not the way of the Ramchal, Ramayshe Chaim Lutzato, the Italian Kabbalist, or the way of the Baal Shem Tev, but rather a distinct, unique approach to Kabbalah of the Vilna Gain. And that's what the Leshem, he emphasized, and that's what he dedicated his life to, and that's where he wrote it. When he was in Shavel, he wrote his classic books on Kabbalah, the Leshem, which was a multi-volume book, and he influenced other Lithuanian rabbis at the time, like the, like the young Rav Cook, who was a Rav in Zoymel, uh, nearby at the time, and later on also Rav Ari Levin, and who he would be, reunite with all of them in Yerushalayim, and he influenced uh, other Lithuanian rabbis in the approach to uh, Kabbalah. Now, the youngest daughter of the Lesha married a fellow by the name of Rav Sholem Tzvi Kruminski, who was a Rav in Lithuania, and later on he moved to Haifa. He was the rabbi of a shul. He was involved in the Kashrus in the early years of Haifa. He passed away young. Um, that was one son-in-law of his. He had a couple of other sons-in-law. And the one that we're going to talk about was his son-in-law. His middle, his second daughter um, married a fellow by the name of Ravram Levinson, who was also known as Ravram Oriner, because his father, Ramesha Oriner, came from the city of Aran. So they called him Oriner, which was common in those days. But his name was Levinson. And uh, he was also, in this river, Ram Levinson grew up in, also in Shavel. Shavel was a very prominent town, actually. We passed through it. Whenever we go on our tours to Lithuania, we pass through it. It's a, you know, for, for Lithuania, it's a, considered a, a pretty large town. And he, um, there's a lot of Jewish history, very rich in Jewish history there. So this river, Ram Levinson, he studied in Radin Yeshiva by the Chavetz Chaim. He was a student of the Chavetz Chaim. And he marries a daughter of the Leshem, who was actually held in very high esteem by the Chafetz Chaim. And the couple was very was childless for about 17 years before their only son, their only child, Rabbi Yosef Shalom, who was later the famous Rabbi Yosef Shalom Yashiv, was born. Now, by around World War I, the Levinsons, with their young son, um, and along with the father-in-law, the Leshem, they move um, to Hummel, from from Shavel to Hummel. That's a big, huge distance. Hummel's deep in Belarus. It's the other side of Eastern Europe, very deep into uh, Belarus, past Minsk, past everything. And and uh, and this Ram becomes the rabbi there. He is known as the Hummel Rav. Now the, uh, the Hummel was a was a Lubavitch town, was a Chabad Hasidic town. And actually, during World War One, the Navardic Yeshiva was there. Yosef Yezel Horovitz, the altar of Navardic, moved headquarters of Navardic from 
Novartik, to, to Hummel during World War I, and then later on to Kiev. And that was the headquarters of the, what became the movement of Novartik during World War I, when he continuously opened the yeshivas. But for generations, it was very, very Chabad, Hasidic town. There was a close chassid of the Alter Rebbe, Rebbe like Isaac Epstein, who was the Rav there for over 50 years. And in fact, uh, other, another great Balmusser was in, in, uh, in Hummel for a time, Rebruving Dave Dessler. I believe even his brother, Gedalia Dessler, if I'm not mistaken, was there also. Rebellion Laser Dester, the famous Mashkiach and Kelomer, was, uh, was, grew up in Hummel. So, but the Hummel Arov was, uh, was Rebbe Ram Levinson, the son-in-law of the Leshem, Rebbe Shalem Yashiv. After World War I, so the Hummel falls into Soviet Russia. So it's a communist Soviet Russia, and this is the atmosphere that Rebbe Yashiv grew up in. He grew up in a Chabad town when, in Soviet Russia. And, uh, and in 1924, the whole family, the grandfather, the parents, and the young son, they decide they're moving to Eretz Yisrael. And perhaps it's because of communism and, and that, which was common in those days to try to get out of Russia. Well, communism was stamping out Jewish life. I've never found a good source for that, but why they moved and if it is related to the fact that, uh, that, that it was untenable conditions to remain religious in communist Russia at the time. I'm not sure. So, um, so, but in any event, Rav Cook, um, arranged, was already the chief rabbi. He arranged them to get visas and they were able to, and it was a family visa, they were able to get to Israel that way. And since it was a family visa and because of complications and the visa and the passport and all that, so the Rebbe Rom Levinson changed his name to his wife's maiden name, Elyashiv. Or in the Frommer books, it says they changed his name to his father-in-law's name. But either way, so he becomes Elyashiv, and that's how his son became Elyashiv, and not Levinson, his maternal, uh, his maternal grandfather's name. So he comes there when he was about bar mitzvah time with his parents and grandparents. The Leshem passed away a couple of years later. When we go to our tours in Harazesim, we actually go to the Leshem's uh, cover. But in any event, Bavram, uh, now Yashiv, he's in Yerushalayim. They settle down in Meisharim, and he sees a, a, a problem in the old Yishuv of Yerushalayim. And it's a double-edged challenge here. Number one, there was, on one side, there was dire poverty. The Chalukah system of the old Yishim Yishlaim had pretty much collapsed by this point. It was uh, unsustainable. The poverty was overwhelming. The demographics had risen. Uh, and at the time, there, you know, it wasn't enough support coming from Eastern Europe. It was, it was, it was a terrible situation. And as a result, many young Yerushalmi men of the old Yishuv became laborers, they opened stores, small merchants, and they went to work and they struggled to eke out a living. While at the same time, there was tension within the community because under the ethos and the ideals of the old Yishuv was to live off of the Chalukah system. So they were looked at with a bit of askance. They were looked at and it caused tension, you know. There's a certain distance within the community. Um... And Ravram Elyashiv, he decided to gather these young men together, and he founded a group, it was almost like a fraternity, and he called it Tiferes Bachurim, you know, the, the, the beauty of, of the youth, the, the, the young, and they had their own shul, and they davened together, they gathered together, there was Shiurim, it was him and a couple other guys, uh, fellows who, who founded it, 
and he gave them shiurim. He gave them a every evening. He gave a gemara, delivered a gemara shir daily, and uh, and then when he passed away at a relatively young age in 1942, his son Rebbeis of Shalom took over this position as the head of the Teferis Bachurim Working Young Men's Group, and he and he continued to give the evening shir to the working guys in Teferis Bachurim. I remember going to him many years later, obviously, after that, but it was still in that old Teferis Bachurim Shul. He used to dive in there once in a while, Friday night, and he used to go up to him. It was upstairs above the Meir Sharm Shtiblach, and he went to the old shul. There was no lines, and there was no one blocking you. You went up, you spoke to him. It was great. Those days were, you know, the times they are a-changing, but the, the, that was that's how it wasn't then. And it's interesting, Rabbi Ramal Yashiv had a sister, who married a fellow by the name of Reb Nissen Ben Sin Shamoshkovitz. And he studied in the Mir in Slabotka, and he was the rabbi in several towns in Lithuania before he moved to Haifa, and he became a rav there in, in 1935. So Rabbi Yashiv actually had two uncles who were rabbis in Haifa on two different sides of the family. He was also the Avbezdin, the head of the rabbinical court in Haifa. He had a son who was a rabbi in Tel Aviv. Yeah, he Hebraicized his name. Um, to, he dropped his last name Shamoshkovitz, and he called himself Remnison Bensian Bension. Um, but uh, that was an uncle of Rabbi Yashiv. So that's a little bit about the background of his family. So this was Yehuda Geber with Jewish History Soundbites. You can reach me at Yehuda at YehudaGeber.com. and of course the website is YehudaGeber.com. and you su- could subscribe to the podcast to the podcast on Podbean, Jewish History Soundbites at Podbean. And um, you can reach out to me for questions, comments, sources, tours and trips, virtual tours, sponsorships. Follow us on Twitter at JSoundbites, and I hope you enjoyed.